0: The Koi gig part.
1: I didn't to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 scan. gone. It's, it's mad to think of really. It seems kind of archaic.
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now.
2: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.
0: All right, it is Monday Night Rugby. Nathan with you this evening. I'm joined in studio by Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent. How are you keeping, Rory? Good, thanks Nathan. Yep. And Fiona Hayes is on the line as well. Evening, Fiona.
1: Hi, guys. Hi, Rory. How are you? Hey, Fiona. Uh,
0: we'll get to the provinces in a moment, but I, I want to start with the big breaking news from late, late last night uh, that Eddie Jones is back as head coach of Australia uh, the head of rugby Australia Hamish McLennan said it's a major coup for Australian rugby to have the best coach in the world return home to coach the iconic Wallabies and to oversee the Wallaroos program uh, Ian Flanagan said similar things when they got Fiona back to coach the Munster women's team <laughs> as well uh, Eddie Jones this this had been rumoured for quite a while uh, when it became kind Never. of clear that maybe there wasn't a, an extended gardening leave but it, I don't think anyone expected to be right here, right now.
2: Yeah, I think Dave Rennie had a really bad year last year. They lost a lot of games. He was close in a lot of them. I mean, they could have beaten Ireland quite conceivably. They, they should have beaten the All Blacks, but for that Matthew Ryanal decision, which was the correct decision. But anyway, like they came quite close. They played. Mm-hmm. They were a better team that night. But on that taken as a whole, you know, he finished the year under pressure. And when they were here, there was a lot of question marks over his job. They lost to Italy the previous week. And speaking to the Australian media um, when they were over the few guys that were over um, there was definitely a sense that Eddie was coming home that that Eddie would be the coach for the Lions in 2025 and for the World Cup at home in 2027. Um, And there was pressure over Rennie but there was kind of they thought he'd get through to the World Cup because why would you change at this time um, of the cycle? But obviously England pulled the trigger Wales pulled the trigger England pulled the trigger and suddenly Eddie was available and, and I think he's played quite a clever media game now I can't necessarily uh, explicitly accuse him of planting stories but there was a big story that appeared that he was going to be part of the, uh, the USA coach through the next two World Cup cycles he was linked with several jobs I would say the Australians felt like if they didn't move from now and Rennie said he would not come on as part of his coaching ticket look that's two head coaches Eddie, Eddie Jones is not an assistant I know he was a consultant in '07 for the Springboks but he's too big a personality for Dave Rennie to have around and the Aussies just said you know what we could things could go okay with this guy, but we think our our first choice is on the market. He's there now, and re- in reality, what is it? Eight months to World Cup, Rennie. They're paying off eight months' worth of a contract. Probably not the biggest contract in the world, anyway. Mm. Why not just bite the bullet, do it now? It's quite cruel on Day Rennie because I think he actually could have done a good job with Australia at this year's World Cup. Um, but and like, there's no guarantee that Eddie Jones. I think he'll do well initially, but it always goes south. But is um, that
0: the surprise here? The length of the contract. It's fair enough Looking for the quick hit Over the next eight months And he has such a brilliant record Of being able to Get teams to peak At a World Cup But A Lions tour Trying to plan five years Down the track With Eddie Jones With the way we saw it Sort of
2: fall apart in England over the last year And with Australia And Japan Like I think things Although it went really well At the 2015 World Cup I think there was players Willing to walk away If he'd stayed on Because he takes so much Out of you as a coach I think he's the highest profile, highest regarded Australian coach on the market, and they do have two incredibly big uh, events in Australia in the next four years. They're in a small, sorry, they're in a they're a small fish in a big market. We know all about how rugby league is a much bigger sport down there. AFL in different markets, football they did quite you know did reasonably well the World Cup. That's a coming force. So they have to fight for their corner in the media all the time. So is this so as
0: much as the team needs an Eddie Jones? Rugby union in Australia needs an Eddie
2: Jones. Yes, yeah, both, both, and they feel that he can improve the team and, and get them results at the World Cup, but also he can improve the profile. And I think when you're looking forward to a Lions tour down there in 2025 and a World Cup there, I think he does he does add something to that. And while Rennie's a very good coach, he wasn't that kind of box office figure. He's quite reserved. He's a Kiwi. Like they've had two New Zealand coaches in the last couple of years, and neither has seemed to fit very well. Whereas Eddie, he's quintessentially even though he sees himself as an outsider, he's so quintessentially Australian. And it's a you know people look for narratives, people look for big stories to wrap things around. I mean, him going back, having come so close to winning the World Cup, then got the bullet, then gone around the world and done what he's done. That's that's a compelling thing that you can st- sell your association on, sell your team on, and and, and also he's a winning rugby coach. He's, he's still England's most successful in results terms coach of all time, and he, and you know has the best record. At, he'll tell you himself, he's the best record at, any, at World Cups of any coach in terms of winning matches. So, um, it's massive. It's just rugby like, merry it around. It's just it's,
0: it's it's great stuff in so many ways. I and mean, when I saw this last night, you think Gatlin back at Wales, Eddie Jones back in Australia, eight months out from the World Cup. the build-up is just going to be so intense. There's going to be so many brilliant tangents along the way. But at the same time, Fiona, I feel a little bit queasy saying that about Eddie Jones and getting excited about it and saying that a team needs an Eddie Jones. When you read so many of the things that have been said about Mm -hmm. Eddie Jones in England over the last year, everything that's come out about how he treated staff, even leaving players in tears were some of the reports. It feels as though his style of management is something from 20 years ago. That modern management has to have moved on you cannot treat people the way that he has treated people at England but it seems that Australia and maybe it's a better culture fit over there than it is in England it feels that that's what they want right now
1: yeah I think so and I think Rory you know like you hit the nail on the head it's the initial he'll go in and he'll um, obviously bring that style and it, and in today's society yeah you, you'll buy into that for a while and players buy into that kind of heavy handed management but once the losses start coming your way that's when things change and we saw that with England in 2020 the six defeats and one draw you know that wasn't the English team and that's when the players start to question things and you know you you, you would never hear a stuff leak to the media if they were winning it's almost like when the losses come you lose your players completely and that's that style of coaching and um you know as in the past I mean we've seen it work he went to Japan he made massive inroads there with, with Japanese rugby you know he took them out they all trained a long time we know that before the World Cup and he he made such um you know he made their style and they they were nice to watch but I'm not sure eight months is is enough time going into World Cup yes it's it's huge for it's huge for Australian rugby because other sports are over taking them you know grassroots rugby there's been a lot of talk about it in Australia that you know they haven't looked after it and we're seeing the re- the fruits of that now in in how Australians are playing and and how they are but I think with Eddie Jones I think it's the personality the face they wanted that they brought him in it's it's very harsh and Dave Rennie. but I think we all knew once he was gone from England you just knew somehow we were going to see him in this next World Cup
0: Uh, 10 wins over Australia in 11 games as England coach over the last seven years as well, which had to have hurt the Australians so much. And I'm sure he was keen to ram it down their throats at every opportunity. We're probably not spending a huge amount of time thinking about Australia in this country because they're on the opposite side of the draw for the World Cup. And it's all about potentially the All Blacks or France and South Africa and thinking about that side of things. Where are Australia? What sort of a group has he taken over?
2: Like, it's a good scru- It's it When they're all fit, and that was a major problem last year. They had an enormous number of injuries. And by the time they got to Ireland, they were on their last legs. And they lost two players to concussion during the game. A couple of more injuries along the way as well. And they still ran, you know, this much-vaunted world number one Ireland team close. They probably shut down the Irish attack, minus Sexton and Carberry. But they shut down the Irish attack better than most teams out there. And they look like they have a lot of very good players. Who can play a very good brand of rugby, and if things clicked for them, which is a big if, if you're running the Australian Rugby Union, you've just watched so many defeats over the course mm-hmm. of the year that they can be a very good team, and they've always been a, a pretty much always been a very good World Cup team. Who can turn up at a tournament and it can come together. And what Jones has always said about its cycle is that it's the one time everyone is equal because you get your players in, you do your pre-season. And, and it does suit the sorry the Southern Hemisphere teams more in that they play their tournament, they do a World Cup. And then they go into it, they don't have club messing up but like like we do in Europe. So um they have some in- extremely talented individual athletes. They have probably the most effective second row in the world and Will Skelton. Um like their profile is very good. If they get a coach, you can get them very organized. And and Rennie, I think, was someone I thought could do that, but it just didn't click with them. But Jones has a lot of raw materials to work with. If you can it's it's a big ask, but he's not the only on that side of the draw, the three biggest teams probably uh, maybe Argentina as well but three of the teams have just changed their coach so it's not like he's at a disadvantage against England and Wales who we would likely likely meet who he will meet along the way um, and Argentina like Czech is not in Argentina that long either so it's you've got this one side of the draw that's incredibly settled and all building four year cycles New Zealand's had a bit of change and all the best four best teams in the world are on there and the other side of the draw you've got chaos and who thrives in chaos Eddie likes a bit of chaos you know I, I think he'll he'll relish that. Gatlin will as well. Borthwick's the least experienced guy there and he seems like a bit of a control freak. So I don't know how he's going to adapt to trying to pull this all together in a short period of time. It just makes the whole thing... I mean, it's a pity they're on the other side of the draw almost because mm. we're not going to be. We'll be so focused on Ireland that it's hard to lift your head sometimes start the World Cup. But that will be intriguing, absolutely intriguing the whole way through.
0: Yeah, there is the potential for an Australia England match potentially in the quarterfinal. But uh, Wales would probably have to top that group with Australia for for that to happen. Uh, I'm sure there's many in the OR a you well probably not shocked by this, but maybe going oh uh, thinking down the line they have their new coaching ticket as well as uh, Steve Borthwick named his squad. Uh, in the last couple of
2: hours a couple of interesting selections no Vinnie Polo yeah and he's playing well I was surprised by that I mean Saracens have been going so well the, you would have thought leaning heavily back towards the Saracens um, kind of heartland that, that got Jones so far and he turned away from it and that's when things started to go wrong I thought it would have been um a big thing but he's not alone I mean Jack Nowell's not in there either um, there's one or two others who you might have expected over the years and he's gone possibly a bit more what Eddie, Eddie Jones never was always criticised for not picking along premiership uh, form lines he's gone with a lot of players who are playing well in the premiership which um, I suppose will, will, will help him kind of build a base of support there that Eddie Jones never seemed to care that he had or not so was a out that he's doing it his own way, but uh, yeah, you fear England less without him, yeah, Billy Vinipola. Like, he, he does offer something very different, even if he hasn't been the same player in the last couple of years. Yeah, Dan Cole,
0: Elliot Daly, Max Malins Ben Curry among the players who've been brought back into the squad. As I mentioned, Johnny May and Jack Knoll alongside Billy Vinipola left out. Uh, let's talk about the provinces then. It was the third round of the group stage of the Heineken Champions Cup. Uh, most people, I think, agreeing that fixing all the games for Saturday wasn't exactly ideal uh, for trying to sit down and spend a good eight hours uh, watching all these matches. Uh, so Munster they survived a second half onslaught they beat Northampton 27-23 at Tolman Park Munster were 24-0 up at half time Uh, that was despite Jack O'Donoghue being sent off after 20 minutes they're away to to Toulouse now on Sunday we're going to have that game live on off the ball Uh, Munster not mathematically guaranteed a place in the knockout stage but in all likelihood really playing for a a better seeding because at the moment it looks as though they may end up having to play away to a Saracens or maybe even a a Leinster in the last 16. Uh, Leinster won 49-14 away at Gloucester. 15 wins on the bounce for Leinster. They have a maximum 15 points for the three games so a very favourable scenario playing out now where they may not have to leave the Aviva Stadium again this season in the Champions Cup. Uh, Ulster, sickener for them beaten away at La Rochelle absolutely miserable conditions they led 3-0 when the clock went past the 80 and Ronald Garris' team scored a late, late try to win 7-3 uh, three straight defeats for Ulster but such is the way of the new format that they could still reach the knockout stages uh, with a bonus point win over Sale and some other permutations going their way and a Connacht threw through to the knockout stage of the Challenge Cup with a 61-5 win over Breve uh, Alex Wooten scored a hat-trick for Connacht in that one uh, so Fiona we might start on Munster and that victory over Northampton. Uh, Gavin Coombs getting a huge amount of credit coming out of the game. Uh, didn't get the uh, Man of the match award, I think, uh, much to the amusement of most people who were watching the game. Uh, interesting comments from Graham Roundtree after the game. He scored two tries, 23 tackles, 16 carries, three turnovers, spoke about the development of his footballing intelligence and also not being included in the Ireland main squad for the November internationals gave him a bit of a kick up the backside. I saw over the weekend as well, maybe feeling some question marks about his, his general fitness at times and that that seems to improve massively as well. It, peaking at the exactly the right time now, it feels, Gavin Coombs. How impressed were you at the weekend?
1: Yeah, he was, he was immense. I think he's after that drop and I think you know we saw a lot of guys took a lot of stick after that Ireland A game against um, the All Blacks and he was certainly one of the players who's really stood up um, and put his hand up and went back and obviously worked in a lot of areas. I really enjoyed watching him in the last few games. He's trying to get to every breakdown. He seems to be everywhere but he's such a, a clever a rugby player as well. We're seeing these offloading game has come on loads and obviously we you know defensively with those 23 tackles he was just immense and losing Jack who he might have kind of faded in the second half but I just think it was the way the game was going and one of the one of the huge things was right at the button Getting in there, you know, your body's tired, 81st minute and he gets in, or sorry, 80 minutes in and he holds up that um from the kickoff and he holds up uh, the team, Northampton team to, to make it a turnover and essentially the ending of the game. So he was, he, you can't question fitness when a guy gets up and is able to do that. So he's he's gone back to the drawing board, you know, he's seen they like Doris, they like his style, Coombs has a different type of playing style. But obviously, he at the start of the season, we weren't seeing enough of that. And I think he's shown and he's definitely putting his hand up for a selection coming into this next uh, Six Nations. I don't
0: think there's any real questions about the red card for Jack O'Donoghue for that tackle on David Ribbons. It did change the, uh, the run of the game completely because Munster were in total control and they'd won the game at that stage. And then they had to almost go and win it again in the final 20 minutes and a different type of winning it that maybe they wouldn't have had earlier in the season. Just able to grind it out. Really interesting substitutions from Graham Roundtree, taking off some of his most experienced players, and really putting a trust in youth. And like some very interesting comments from him after the game about that. Actually, they need to reward form. They need to reward yeah. youth above experience. And for a team in transition, and for a, a Munster support who really want to get behind this team, actually, they're the right comments that people are going to get behind that and support that and and give them. Be patient with them.
2: I think that's bravery that that will be will be recognised by fans and. Rewarded with more patience because look, Munster may lose and to lose at the weekend. They may end up having a really difficult away game in the last 16, and it might not take them any further. But by doing what he did in terms of leaving out Conor Murray and Keith Earls to start with, then taking off Carberry before he took off, you know, leaving Crowdy out there to close out the game, He's he and Mike Prendergast and, and Dennis Leamy are showing incredible faith in the young players that the Munster fans have had for a while they're now being shown almost that these guys are ready and that they've been ready for a while and that look for Van Gran was much more conservative and, and and wouldn't trust them he would always think that the experienced guy w- would get them to the line Roundtree is saying now these this is my team now this just because you've done it 3 years ago or 5 years ago over the course of the next decade what i need is the player who's playing well now and i'm going to back him and can you imagine the message that sends to a Jack Crowley or, or or any of the other players who's being backed in in that way i watched we had the um, rare opportunity to watch Munster's training last Tuesday, and they had three backlines running, um, and we were sworn to secrecy on it at the time. But we, we could see that Murray wasn't involved. But the backline he was part of was him, Ben Healy, Rory Scanlon, international Malachi Fekitoa, uh, all back. Um, Sibo was on one wing uh, Park Campbell who's the next big thing a fullback was a fullback, and I, I can't remember who the right winger was but it was like it was a, a back line that you could field in a Huntington come, like, C- G- C- Cup game and not really batter an eyelid mm. they've got a bit of depth there now and now what we want to see is what does this do to Conor Murray and Keith Earls and what does mm. it do to Fekatoa because they they don't want to be left out There their Ireland places are at risk I mean Fekatoa's got a World Cup this year so it should bring out a, a big response in the older guys you know Carberry like Carbery's now is getting being undermined at provincial level, which will have a knock-on effect for Ireland stuff. So we want to see that, you know, now we want to see those guys react, and that should bring out the best. That should result in better things for Munster and for Ireland and for Roundtree and for the Munster fans as well.
0: There's a lot in that there, Fiona, what what Rory's talking about on Joey Carberry I heard Alan Quinlan this morning talking about, you know, if you're being critical of Munster, there was a lack of game management at times, and the fact that Carberry's taken off for 20 minutes after a bit of a mistake as they get in uh, to really close the gap. Carberry in terms of actually grabbing that jersey at Munster never mind at Ireland in those sort of games it just doesn't seem to be getting to that next level with him at the moment
1: no, he doesn't seem to be kicking on and it's it's kind of as you said earlier, crunch time. It's crunch time coming into six nations. We'll see kind of a clearer path on selection, I think, when it's coming into the World Cup. So these guys need to be putting in massive performances. I thought he handled the, the first half really well. Um I thought he controlled it. I thought um the two guys outside him, you know, they're trying he's trying to build up a partnership with Crowley. So you have to remember there's been a few changes in there as well, and I thought he controlled that. But obviously after the, the red card, um he probably he wasn't using his forwards as much as he would have liked to you know he was trying to take the pressure off them a little bit and we saw him um, taking off but I also think it's it's kind of from Roundtree. it's having faith in Crowley to, to put his hand up and step up and and let him in there and get Scannell on in the centre who, who he knows does a job you know from the bench whether starting we know what Scannell can bring but it's showing now that these guys are are capable of, of in the high pressure intense moments being able to come on and Crowley took reins and you know he he obviously scored that penalty as well which was a pressure situation so I think although Carberry you know he I thought he controlled the game at times in the first half maybe let a few things slip in the second half there's definitely a lot of pressure coming on as well from that Ross Burns side of things because he's starting to come into the form and we know exactly what he can do from the boot as well
0: hey were quite a few articles about that open training session you were led into and uh what was the line? Was it chaos games, the way they describe the training session and the intensity that they're trying to bring to those sessions and make them as game like as possible. There was a real intensity in that first twenty minutes for Munster and, you know, some of the players that are, are starting to stand out. Uh, Shane Daly was on the show a few mm-hmm. months back and he was really interested in talking about, you know, a young guy like him and the challenge that he was now facing coming in under Graham Roundtree compared to Johan Van grand that like him playing in the back three, like it was basically a kick chase game. So that's his first experience of senior rugby, of monster rugby, is that this is what's expected. And now he's getting the ball in hand and actually having that at training every day It's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to that sort of speed, that sort of chaos yeah. that will come in these sort of games. Do we see from him at the weekend actually that those younger guys are fully starting to understand the demands of playing at this level on a consistent
2: basis but I think they also they have ownership as well it's their team now that I, I, we talked to Calvin Nash before November he didn't play in November for, for Ireland but he was in part of the squad and he was talking about how he always knew no matter how well he played when he was given a chance by Van Graan that he was going to be gone the week later because the lads are back whereas now it's their team Like Shane Daly's making big defensive plays at pivotal moments and look I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it anyway but now he knows he's probably going to play again next week this is his journey Like you know, he is on. He is not going to be cast aside for someone coming back from Ireland camp next week if our, if Munster go all the way in the Heineken Cup he's going to be on the wing as long as he keeps playing well and he knows that I think the pace of training and the pace of play is going to stand to these players when it comes to international selection we see what Leinster are doing. They're playing incredible rugby at incredible speed. And for all that Gavin Coombs is playing well, Caelan Doris is on another another level mm-hmm. altogether. But for Coombs to close that gap, he needs to be doing this on a daily basis. And I think the Munster players, if they're training this way every day and they're playing this way on weekends and their attack is starting to click, they were definitely moving ahead of their rivals in Ulster and Connacht. And they're closing the gap on the Leinster players, albeit the Leinster players are still... accelerating in a fairly decent lick. um, But it's definitely going to do them no... Daly, I think, will be in the Ireland squad. I think he's playing very well. Nash got a lot of uh, admirers in the Ireland squad. I think the way he trained in November is going really well. So these players, like Casey starting ahead of of Murray at Munster. He's got to be in the frame now to be reserve for number 21 over in Cardiff in a couple of weeks' time because he's starting for Munster. Coombs, I think, is going to be back in the Ireland squad having been ditched during November because he's playing so well. He's got another job to do to try and get ahead of Ryan Berg, Caelan Doris, even Peter Omani, but still, he's in the frame again. So the way they're training, the way they're playing is definitely enhancing their chances of playing for Ireland.
0: It's interesting feeling like it does feel as though there's a real depth at Munster in the real sense of depth and that there's a lot of players of a similar standard fighting for positions is it just actually now over the next 18 months two years making those marquee signings the correct signings that bring everybody to another level if they're to actually go and win trophies because as you say they have probably 35-40 players who are fighting it out for a starting 15 but actually who are the ones that would get in a Leinster side?
1: Yeah, and that's it. And it's the big, it's the big sign-ins that obviously they're looking at. We can see the, the homegrown talent. You know, you're talking about Shane Daly there. Rory said it as well, like a defensive read, 76 minutes. I mean, that's the, the winning and loss of a game. He absolutely came up and closed out that, you know, forcing a knock on to, to turn over Northampton ball, which was a huge moment. I suppose these guys weren't given the chance in the past to make, to make these uh, big hits or make, have these moments. And now they have it and their form seems to be getting better and better. It's 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 the academy guys that's coming through. But I think with Munster we've talked about, and I'm sure you're you know you've been on many programs as well, Nathan, where you're constantly looking at, you know, what they need, where they need to go. And they know the areas, they know they now need to probably get another tight end. Salanoa so was another guy who who got his first European start. I thought he was okay. You know, obviously the more starts he gets, um, scrummaging wise, um, they might have been disappointed with the percentage. I think it was like 71%. But look, he's constantly building, and the more starts he gets um, you know he gets is more confidence with growing so we have there. there is potential there and these guys are coming through there's competition Um, some of the the, the 30, 32, 33 year olds we call them I won't call them older guys because uh, I'm over that age myself and I don't like that but they are now being left on a bench or you know they're they're training to high intensity so it, it's brilliant to see but they need to get the signings right in the next couple of years to you know obviously you speak of Jenkins he's beefed up Leinster Munster had him but it didn't obviously go hopefully we get Snyman back and you might see a difference there so they need to be looking at this tight head maybe hooker area and this is going to boost the team and now you'll have competition all over the park and that's exactly what you want
0: so the Ireland squad has been announced Thursday morning mm-hmm. uh, we might go through um, province by province as to you know who's going up and who's going down in the sort of power rankings from Munster's point of view then obviously everyone gets excited about Coombs and says he's got to be in there we got to get him into the matchday <laughs> squad and then you know you mentioned Caelan Doris who's going to start at number eight. Jack Conan is probably still the backup number eight. Peter Mahoney is probably the other option as backup on the bench. It's very hard for Gavin Coombs to actually squeeze his way in at the moment, unless there's injuries along the way.
2: Yeah, he did mention Ryan Baird there, who mm. you know could get that number nineteen shirt, but I think he's playing the best rugby of his life and is fulfilling the potential that we thought he had a couple of years ago. Um, so that's Coombs' job. I mean, that's his mission, and, and he's been unfortunate in one way that there hasn't been very many injuries. Like that, that Ireland back row. It's been four players, pretty much true. I know Doris has been has missed a couple of games here and there, um, and obviously Van der Flier missed a bit, and Will Connors is back this week. It's a different position, but that Ireland back row. Quartet of, of kind of Conan, Doris, O'Mahony, and Van der Fleer has been pretty consistent for for a long time now, and it's very hard to argue against picking those four players mm. for the first Six Nations game. Um, you could argue for putting Baird in, but I think you put him in that 19 shirt, covering both second row mm. and back row, because there's no one really, you know, really putting a hand up for that covering second row position, and he can do both jobs. He's an incredible form, you know, like. His 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 potential athletically is incredible, but he's backing up now physically as well. So Coombs is I I I don't see Coombs how Coombs gets in for the first game, but look, he's in a in a nutritional position. He also covers second row and back row there will be injuries there will be openings there's chances there's a four day turnaround or sorry six day turnaround between Scotland and England at the end you might have to mix a match there there's going to be an opening he will get. It. He just needs to be ready for it when it comes but I don't think he walks in I think he gets back in the squad now but I don't yeah. see him walking into the 23 and what
0: about Murray then because I saw Bernard Jackman making the point yesterday that you know, Conor Murray's over 100 caps now he has plenty in the bank with Andy Farrell as well mm. but not making the 22 for his province or 23 for his province and it'd be interesting to see if he can get back in This coming weekend, do you think that will have that much of a factor?
2: Well, I'd pick him away to to lose this week, so that Mm. might just give him the even potentially the start because it's such a difficult away fixture. Um, I give him the so that might give him the way in because Farrell will will know whether he's in or out, like everyone in Ireland, sorry, everyone in the RFU knows what the provinces' teams are before we all do. Um, Mm. Murray and Earls, I think, are in a battle now. If 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 Murray, if they're both not selected this week, which I would anticipate at least one of them will be in, I think that gets them back into the frame. And, and Andy Farrell can, can can and look, he doesn't he doesn't do a press conference when he names the squad anyway, so he won't have any questions to answer. Um, but he and he places huge amount of stock in what players have done for him before in being around the environment these are some of the senior men they got him the job in the first place it was the senior men from the Lions who recommended him to Joe Schmidt, and then he arrived in Ireland and it's always been a bit of a symbiotic relationship with them he stuck with them after the World Cup when people like me were calling for, like, calling for heads he was like no I'm going to wrap myself around these guys and I'm going to add to it with a Type furlong here and a Caelan Doris there and kind of build my leadership group um, into something new so I would be very surprised if he jettisons any of essentially contracted players um, I think the way Murray closed out the game against England last year even though it is almost 12 months Mm -hmm. ago that stands massively to him Um, but if he has only got a certain amount of minutes in the last 4 or 5 months and he's not fit and Craig Casey bounces into training and he is fit and he's firing I think Farrell will go for the the player who's fit and firing so I think that gets him in the door whether again whether it gets him into the team is another matter
0: All right. so Munster away to Toulouse on Sunday half past three we'll have full live commentary on off the ball they're not guaranteed a place in the last 16 yet but in all likelihood it would take uh, quite a run of results for Munster not to get there all our rugby coverage here on off the ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us quick break and we'll be back and we'll talk through the rest of the provinces
2: Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us
0: hey, welcome back to Monday Night Rugby Nathan with you this evening Roy O'Connor's in studio Fiona Hayes is on the line as well so Leinster won 49-14 away at Gloucester uh, three wins from three they're going to be playing in Dublin you expect the whole way through Uh Hard to pick holes in (laughs) a Leinster side that have scored, what, averaging almost 50 points a game in the Champions Cup so far and have won every game so far this season. Uh, Fiona, Rory made a comment on last week's Monday Night Rugby. Uh, It caught my attention at the time. I don't think really expanded on it, was that the four provinces had struggled last weekend in the URC in the scrum. And again, if we're picking holes on Leinster... It did seem like an area, again, that there was a struggle at the weekend. There was no tight furlong there. They were put under a huge amount of stress in the scrum by Gloucester. They conceded two penalty tries for collapsing the mall. Oh. How concerning is that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an area. You know, I think they, they only won 10 of their 14 scrums that they were in. So it's it's unusual of, of Leinster. And I suppose it is concerning, but we'll see just how concerning it is when they come up against these big, massive uh, French packs. And I think that's where we'll see the difference even watching the game, the two yellow cards to get two yellow cards um, for taking down the mall and give away two penalty tries, that's, you know, Leo Cullen isn't going to be happy with that obviously we know what they can do in attack We, you know, it's magical watching what they're going to come up with with their 5 metre or 10 metre taps you know, this is the way the game has gone you're wondering what they what, what's going to who's going to pop up where, we saw a lovely one with Larmer coming in off that side as well but look, it's, it's an area you go back to the drawing board, you take your win on on attack, they're they're excellent to watch. I mean Osborne was was outstanding, you know, in there and he, he's he's been brilliant the last few games. But you're as a coach, you're gonna pick holes in in what needs to be better. And I definitely think Ala Alato, I thought he started well, but he seems to be under a lot of pressure um at tight head in these big games and they seem to be turning over a lot of ball at scrum time.
0: There was a lot of experience in that Leinster pack. Porter, Sheehan, Ryan. It was probably their first choice back row as well. Is this pretty simple that if Ty Furlong's not there and Jason Jenkins isn't there that Leinster in all no likelihood aren't going to win the big knockout stage games? They need
2: them fit? Well, I uh, I mean, you, you, no, I don't think that's simple. You can't say that because even, I mean, they still won by however many points they won by and, and they're, they're able to, they're finding ways to win these games. Yes, La Rochelle, Toulouse, um, Saracens will be looking at this and I'm sure they're quietly kind of just filing away doing a, putting a, putting together a Leinster file for whenever they, they need it of strengths and weaknesses but there's a lot more strengths than there are weaknesses so even you know with the difficulties that they're having they can win games but you, you, what might where you would be concerned and it's hard to be concerned in any way we got Leinster the only thing we know is that we've been here before with them and they haven't got the job done mm. is that when you're winning every week and you're winning by that much how how seriously do you take the coaches in your Monday morning meeting when they're telling you you need to improve on things when you're going well like you know human nature is to say well we won by we just won by 40 points I'm the again. coaches
0: and you're the players in the, this scenario I yeah. just come in criticizing. you're going we just scored 50 points and what's that's, the problem you know,
2: and like you do have to be ruthless and you say the right things but there's got to be a little bit of you that slips into a mindset of going you know, we're fine. You know, we're, we're, yeah. we're, I mean, we're hammering everyone, and then you come up against the one team or things don't quite work for you on the day, like a La Rochelle, like a Saracens, um and, and or like the Bulls, which was the most alarming of their recent defeats. But they you you would think that those lessons have been learned at this point, and when they get Jenkins and Furlong back, and we don't believe that their long term injuries Yeah, where is Furlong? Furlong, I think, it's just been basically kept for the Six Nations. That you know, if they really needed them they could they have him, but they can get through these games and there's obviously a bit of a concern that he, ha- he seems to be having quite a lot of niggles around the same areas but in a World Cup year I've, I have a feeling that the RFU are just managing him quite stringently in, in that regard. Jenkins did his hamstring just before Christmas and I think he went home for a little while. Um, I would say we'll see him back after the Six Nations when they they really need him during, during that run-in. Um, so... <sighs> It's hard to be concerned about Leicester, but like we do have to hold them to the standards they're setting. They're the only team with 15 points from three games. Mm. They're walking through every opponent. Every picture that's presented to them, they have an answer for it. If they don't get it done this year, it's it's just a major disappointment. It's, it's Failure is a very strong word, mm. but at this point, they've only got one Heineken Cup in 10 years. And they're the best team in Europe on paper. They're the best team in Europe on based on their performances. They've got to get this job done this year. And... Um, it may be harsh but the levels that they're at are just incredible you know Gloucester just looked like they never played look like they're playing a different sport to Gloucester you know look like they walked the premiership in their sleep
0: and every couple of weeks Fiona a new star is born at Leinster this time it's Jamie Osborne 21 first ever start in Europe took his first half try really well Leo Cullen was talking afterwards about his versatility he's another player who's going to be touted for an Ireland squad maybe as soon as as this week uh, what were your thoughts on his performance
1: uh, he's been he's just been really good. I I I I spotted him a while back. I thought he he kind of just slotted into games. You know, he as you could say he can play fullback. He's so versatile, but he seems to be really sticking with this center. It, it's it's just suited him. We know obviously Ring Rose is there and he, he's got guys around him that are, are are able to, you know, settle him down. But like he 13 big carries, he two line breaks, hundred meters, you know, he was just hes footwork for one of the tries, albeit maybe uh, you know, the tack. Mightn't have been the best by Gloucester, but he's just footwork and he's awareness. Um, and he can run hard lines as well. He's not a huge guy, but he, he runs very, very good hard lines, and I think he's definitely someone that will be in Farrell's heads coming into this camp. And I'd be I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was called into camp and given a shot up there.
2: Is he at that level already? Yeah, I, I think he's close to it, and I think they like him. He I mean, Brendan on that emerging Ireland tour. It's one area where Ireland are a little bit light at the moment, you know. Um Henshaw's Touch and go for the Six Nations. It sounds a bit more like he he, he may be in trouble for that first game. Bundiak, not getting picked by Connacht at the moment. You know he's obviously a stalwart Irish central contract player, but if he's only played five times this season, is he going to be able to hit the ground running? He has been able to do it before, but Kluski's probably still in position. You know, with that number twelve jersey, if um, if Henshaw is not going to make it. But there's no harm in having a Jamie Osborne who can cover 10 positions, you know, like he, he can do it all and it's such a natural, like it's one thing he kind of So he
0: played full back at underage and Leo Cullen was saying he definitely has the skill set as well to play at 12.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think he could play he's a bit like Jimmy O'Brien, he you know, and they're from similar enough places as well. They're uh, he he they're producing players that're just like they're footballers. It's the one word that you keep hearing about them. Like Hugo Keenan has it as well. They they almost look like all-backs. They're coming through fully formed. They have that natural ability, their lovely running style, ability to beat defenders. They've got the full package. He looks ready to go. It's very late in the World Cup cycle to start bringing in new players. And I wonder if Farrell thought that he'd probably seen enough of everyone by November. Michael Milne, who came off the bench, is another one I think has a chance of making it if he could just put some games together because said's a bit light. But I think if, if injuries go his way, like for all he's out as well, he'd be another one who'd be in line for that number 12 shirt. He's got a shot. I don't know if he's big enough for international 12 at the moment. I think that's maybe where they'll see a bit of a drawback. Um, but he's definitely got a chance.
0: So you touched on uh, one of the issues there facing Andy Farrell in the centre with Robbie Henshaw's injury and also what's going on with Aki. So you were down at Connacht they did mm. an easy win against Breve, They're through to knockout mm. stages of oh, the Challenge well. Cup yeah. and Bundyaki, you say hasn't massively been involved this season a lot of that down to his suspension as well earlier in the year and the, probably a feeling when the team was named he was just been rested and maybe he'd play this week and maybe it was all been managed from an international side considering he is a centrally contracted player uh, Andy Farrell had some interesting comments afterwards though that seemed to indicate there was a, a deeper issue
2: yeah Andy Friend was um or Andy Friend yeah, I should say yeah uh, Andy <laughs> Farrell would be more interesting on it I think but uh, Andy <laughs> Friend yeah like it was one of these things because you know you kind of see his name not there as you say and you think oh he's rested but he didn't play against the Sharks last week he didn't play against Leinster he's only played five times this season partly because of the ban but also since he's come back it's uh, he's been lightly raced and played against Ulster just before Christmas. So um, in the post-match press conference, you know they'd obviously just cleanly dispatched of of uh, what's sorry, brief um, brief. I covered the game. I should know who he was playing. Um, and also they beat the Shark second string a week previously with forward Ford, twenty-one-year-old um, local lad who played really well in both games. He was man of the match. But I just thought, you know, will you have Bundy back for the trip to Newcastle big game? And Andy Friend doesn't he usually gives quite long answers, and he just went, he's training. And his face darkened as he said it as well. It just took took a bit of a setback or a step back. I was okay, so I asked for Carl Ford, and he gave. He was quite effusive about Carl Ford, and then just made a couple of subsequent inquiries. And it's like he's definitely fit and available. He had a bit of illness over Christmas, um, maybe having the ill effects from that. But I believe it's fitness, and, and there's an attitudinal question about it as well. So um, Andy Friend's on the way out at the end of the season. You know, he doesn't have to really. You, know, you have to play a little bit by the rules but if he doesn't think any sorry is the right man for the job for this Saturday ultimately the IRFU can put pressure on but he doesn't have to pick him and he's got a, an Irish qualified player who's playing better than him and he's got Tom Daly on the bench who can also play 12 and he's saying well these are the guys that I think are, are are best set to win games for Connacht this weekend
0: How much pressure do the IRFU put on in those scenarios from from what you've heard through the
2: years I think you can make it's a phone call or it's and a, if you're a young coach who's got been appointed by the RFU last year and you're in your first year and, and Andy Farrell or David Nusephora rings you, you're you're probably more susceptible to having been leaned on. Um and there have been coaches who would have been seen as being quite friendly to the RFU in that regard over the years. I think Andy Friend is very experienced. You get, you know, he's a friend of David Nusaphora's or he you know, he came over on this David Sephora's backing. I think you have a good working relationship, but I think he's well able to say no, especially when he's he's effectively retiring at the end of the season and he wants what's best for Connacht and what's best for for his team so he's well able to say you know I, I'm not picking him now there's every chance that he could play this weekend that he could be involved to some degree if he's not the next game is after Ireland have gone to Portugal on, to, to, on their pre-Six Nations camp so um, does he go on the pre-Six Nations camp is he left with Connacht where he's not getting picked anyway to, in the hope that they pick him or with instructions you got to pick him here in this big game against I think it's the Lions they play and like, they're fighting on two fronts so you know he's got Andy Friend has his own bottom lines, his own ambitions. He doesn't have to pick anyone he doesn't doesn't want to, and he can be influenced. But I mean, he's probably moved beyond that point now in his his kind of career.
0: One of the interesting takeaways from that game as well, Fiona, uh, we've been talking about versatility of a lot of the Irish backs. Mac Hansen started a full back for Connacht at the weekend, which is just uh, another handy string to his bow.
1: Yeah and he, he was he was very good now it's hard to tell against Bree, but I just I, I, I thought that game was just really exciting to watch I know they didn't really offer months defensively but the offloading by Connacht was immense I thought Hansen you know he, he's constantly looking to set people free he had some love Jack Harty crossfield kicks but I think that's the thing I think players are, are asking to play in positions they want to show Andy Farrell you know the versatile nature of their game and I think that's what's going to get him into these World Cup squads and say, you know when when you're talking to a head coach you're saying look I play wing but look I've played a couple of games for a con up there at full back or it's the same when you're playing 12 13 Crowley can offer you full back and, and 10 as well so I think this is the way it's going when you see other players you know switching in and switching out you want to be that first player as well so I would imagine they're even saying to their own coaching staff you know give me a, give me a go at full back or or you know I can I can slot in there as well because it seems it seems like all these players are, are able to play in different positions and his footwork is just absolutely immense and we saw his aerial skills so he, he's not a bad option to have in there as well and we know how good Keenan is but if, if Keenan gets injured I suppose it, it's up for grabs then that fullback position
0: uh, So Ulster oh, will they ever win a game again? Uh, they <laughs> thought it was there it was uh, absolutely miserable uh, away at La Rochelle 3-0 has the Nogara team ever
2: nilled before? Not that I'm aware Oof. of uh,
0: I'm came very very tell close you on Friday. last play of the game and uh, beaten 7-3 It felt like a moment That could transform their season Such as the way of the Champions Cup That it probably would have Transformed their season Because it would have Almost guaranteed them a place In the knockout stages uh, Bizarrely despite losing All three of their games They still have a chance They're at home against Sale On Saturday night yeah. So if they win that With a bonus point They just need a couple of other results To go their way And they,
2: they might scrape through Yeah they're up against Claremont I think as I look at it and Claremont just sacked John Gibbs this morning mm. And Jared Payne's mm. in, in temporary charge And I think they go to the Stormers This weekend and I would imagine they won't bring their strongest team over to the Stormers because they're probably putting their eggs and getting the top 14 going and the travel is becoming a big and big and bigger and bigger issue in this tournament. So um, Montpellier are there for the taking as well. Even Munster are within range. Uh, no, they're not. Sorry, Ulster can't catch Munster, but Sale can. So um, Munster fans will be watching that quite closely. Like
0: Sale nilled Ulster in the first game and have lost their two games since.
2: Yeah, and like Sale have been doing really well in the Premiership. They're relatively embryonic um, in their development they're only a couple of years in under Sanderson I wonder if the Premiership is where they really want to win this year like they're a very good team they're second in the Premiership um, there's an opportunity for them if they come over and beat Ulster they'll go full full, full on it but um, Ulster should be beat you know Ulster pre-Leinster he would be back in Ulster to win at home against Sale but like all bets are off now he's made a couple of big decisions I mean you know Ian Madigan started at 10 at the weekend mm. Doak started Madigan like Madigan's backing himself I spoke to Madigan a couple weeks ago when he was still injured he was talking about getting into the World Cup squad I mean Madigan has full self-belief as an experienced 10 it might just be what they need right now you know McCluskey will come back in Hume will be around the place as well they rested a couple last weekend and like it's got to turn right at some stage. They're too good a team. They're too good a squad not to have a performance in them at home, eight o'clock at night. After you know they were disappointed by the day things finished. Yeah. And look, it's a, if you step back from it, you go, it's another one they let go away. You know that they, they they got themselves in a winning position and they squandered it as they've done a number of times recently. But they must be able to draw strength from the fact that they were they went toe to the European Champions in dire condi- conditions and tucked them to the to the last minute. Um, yeah, and, sure that uh, and that sorry,
1: as, on that as sorry on that as well. You know, in the in the last couple of times I've been talking about Ulster, I've been on about like their internal defence, and you know they I, I think they've definitely had defensive issues. But in that game, they only missed six tackles. Um, you know their lineout was it wasn't going great at times as well. They had I think it was eighty nine percent lineout and hundred percent scrum success. So look, they have fixed a few issues, albeit the weather was terrible. So I would definitely think at home in Kingspan they should definitely be beating that. Sail. It's just trying to get over that line and get that win now.
0: A couple of other things on the Champions Cup. So news today that the South African sides will have to play their semi-finals in Europe, regardless of whether or not that they've earned a home semi-final. Was that always in the pipeline, or is that new news? I
2: have to. Uh, it was always in the pipeline, but the fact that it wasn't in the public domain, I think it would have been rumored a little bit. Murray Kinsler broke it this morning's good yarn. Um, and it, is it fair? Well, I think it's. No it's not um, I think there's a lot going on around South Africans travel at the moment and I think it's the price they paid it's the price of entry the European teams particularly Premier, French teams who are quite sceptical about having them particularly the French actually were saying look you can come into our tournament but you're not dragging us all the way to South Africa just before we've got finals and semi-finals so under the participation agreement for a couple of years, this is the way it goes. If it's a success, I think they'll come to the negotiation table in a much stronger position in a couple of years' time. And like they're taking to this tournament very well. We're going to have three South African teams in the in the last sixteen. Two of them are going to be up there in amongst the top seeds. Maybe three if the Bulls get the job done this weekend. Um, Munster could end up going to the Sharks in a in the last sixteen game. That's a nightmare draw. Um, it's the it could be the Sharks or Leinster. It's just a bit of a Hobson's choice. Um, so look, it's very difficult, and the, the, the whole reality of being in Europe is really difficult for the South Africans at the moment. And the Qatar Airways deal, which was signed so by... So,
0: I, I saw this come up online last night, and about the amount of travel that the South African sides are having to do, and the way, you know, there's some redrawn games and things like that, but teams going from South Africa to Europe, back to South Africa, back to Europe, week on week on week. But they're not even flying directly from South Africa to Europe.
2: So the Qatar Airways deal got got was con- they signed between the URC and or before the start of the season, and it got loads of flack because it was Qatar and it was getting you know it was getting the, there was the idea floated at the launch that they might play finals there or play preseason camps and stuff, and obviously with the, L- the LGBTQ um, plus laws there, that would be unwelcoming to some of the players who played in the tournament, and that was the thing that got most attention in the World Cup and all that sort of stuff was in the news, but actually the smaller part of it was actually that like the, the European teams don't necessarily have to use them but the South Africans do because the, their union signed it's a partnership between or URC and the SARU so they have to go via Qatar and they're also going uh, economy class and I think you know again it's, it's a little bit of geography but like Qatar fly out of Joburg so that's fine for the Lions and maybe the Bulls who are about half an hour 45 minutes up the road in, in, um, in Pretoria but for the Stormers down in Cape Town and the Sharks over in, um, in Durban, that's another two-hour flight to get to Joburg, whatever time you spend in the airport. Then you fly to, to Doha, spend whatever time is in Doha. Then you fly to Heathrow or Dublin, and then you make your way to wherever you're playing. Fine if you're playing Harlequins or Leinster, but if you're going to play Ulster, Connacht or Munster, you've another few hours on a bus, and it's taken them 40 hours to get to any game. So the Stormers played London Irish this weekend. They're going back to Cape Town to play against Claremont next weekend, so the weekend just coming. Then they come back to play Ulster, they have another game in, in, uh, in somewhere in Europe, I can't remember exactly where, and then they have another 40-hour trip to get back. So their players are just going, hang on a second, we, we got out of Super Rugby for mm. the travel. I know the time zones are right. We're, now we're travelling in economy. We have to go via Doha when there's direct flights from Cape Town and Johannesburg to London, but they can't take those because they're BA and not, and, and not Qatar. So it's just, it, and that does even touch
0: on the much much bigger issue of we're in the midst of a climate crisis. Yes, and yeah, How yeah. much flying is acceptable for these teams?
2: Yeah, absolutely. What's the? I mean, the, I think that uh, I can't remember exactly what he said. But, you know, they, they they'll talk about their sustainability, but you know, it's clearly it's unsustainable on another in, in every sense of the word. And um, now it's paying the like the waste bill or fees are probably paying some of the players' salaries. We've already seen Sia Khaleesi the most high-profile South African player in the world, has signed for Racing ninety-two next year. And one of the reasons he wants to play in France, apart from the fact that they're probably playing, paying him an awful lot of money, is that him and his and his family can live together in Paris and not really have to travel that much. Mm. He goes on a bus to a game on a Saturday, he comes back that night, and he's there for the week. They don't have to worry about going to, you know, traversing from Newport to, not that he plays in every game, but you know what I mean. And the spring, the other part is that Springboks are basically playing 12 months of the year because they're not in the Six Nations, they're in the Rugby Championship, so they play all summer, so they don't get a break at all. So the inevitable consequences that they'll end up in the Six Nations but that takes a couple of moving parts to get into place. so there's a lot going on with it. Uh,
0: Fiona, you had a very good weekend part of the Munster coaching team uh, the big interprovincial derby against Leinster 26-17 two wins from two uh, left it late last minute try Stephanie Carroll uh, set up by team captain Nicole Cronin uh, so set up very nicely ahead of heading to Connacht next weekend.
1: Yeah, the uh, it wasn't good for my heart that game now but it um it was actually a really enjoyable game there's some good good rugby played. Um it's the big derby for us um, obviously as a as a Munster player and Munster supporter and I need girls day love playing line, so it really gets you up for and especially being at home. Yeah, it was a good win concentrating on the last game against Connex but we're in the driving position now so if we can continue to to play how we've been going uh, hopefully we'll come away with the win and get that interpro trophy back but um, I just I just thought that you know it was a very physical uh, a really good game to watch I re-watched it to do a bit of analysis earlier today and I think I think it's getting better and better the standard at times so it was exciting
0: Well, don't keep it to yourself uh, the kind of coaches won't be listening what was the tactical <laughs> breakdown
1: <laughs> look we were look we go we go after oh, the breakdown. she's we- in
0: coaches speak now
1: <laughs> never again go-
0: will you be able to criticise we'll anybody
1: <laughs> we go after that breakdown with Leinster. Yeah. We saw we saw a few places to go after it. So look, we, we we'll have a, a different look at uh, at Connex, but we definitely had a go at the breakdown and we went over a few bits and it, it worked out well for us at times. Uh,
0: if your heart wasn't good, I'd say Chloe Pierce's heart wasn't good either. I'm sure everyone <laughs> has seen this uh, one of the photographs of the weekend. Uh, so Clodagh O'Halloran, the Munster second row, uh, proposed after the game to her teammate Chloe Pierce. Was this a, a shock to everybody involved?
1: yeah it was so I think Briggsy knew because she had to Claude had to clear it with Briggsy if it would be all right and obviously uh Chloe is is a, a I know Chloe are the life I know the bottom is a, a very a grumpy loser so if we lost it wasn't going ahead either so it was kind of a she was delighted with the win but yeah um, I think I was captured crying in the corner of the camera as well I haven't been able to to live down that stick but I, I know them a long time and I coached them as well so it was just a, a lovely moment as as she said she Wanted to do it in front of our family, and we're a rugby family. That's the way we play, and that's the way we train. So it was just, uh, it was really exciting for everyone. And thank God she said yes, or it could have been very awkward.
0: <laughs> Certainly could have been. <laughs> uh, you had a good night celebrating, anyways.
1: I'm saying not no,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I went out and I watched all the games. That's what I, I all. Okay. I'll, I'll comment on that. <laughs> you, were th-
0: you were thinking rugby. You were thinking rugby. It was all in exactly,
1: the exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, the other game, Connacht beat Ulster by twenty-five points to nineteen. So back-to-back wins for Munster. So it's very much in your hands heading into the next game.
1: Yeah, in our hands, but you know, the sports ground as we know isn't uh, isn't the best place to go to. They, they 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 love their rugby down there. It's a very physical kind of team this year, but um, you know, I think their their ten is playing really well, Nicole Fowley as well. So it's just about kind of looking after their kind of counteracting their threats and I suppose um, the way we play we're trying to play a quick uh, a quick game so um, obviously as the breakdown coach they need to look after that and when we've gotten clean ball um, our backs have just been outstanding and it's trying to keep up those um, keep up that in their heads and you know when you're it's basically a final every game is a final but it's a huge moment for the girls and I think as well as that there's a lot of kids that have come through and you know they're playing and they're enjoying the rugby. I'm seeing a lot of smiling faces out there and I think that's what this is all about so I'm excited at what's coming through and hopefully we'll be able to get the big win on Saturday and then I'll definitely be celebrating (laughs) Uh,
0: It sounds like you're enjoying us.
1: Oh I'm loving it I'm loving it I was involved I was head coach of the under 18s for um, Munster under 18s for the last uh, couple of years so so to make this step up to the senior team was huge but it's um, it, it's really good we have Matt Brown Mike Storey there's a good coaching setup. Tom Tierney's kind of been coming in and helping obviously Briggsie, um, the style of rubbish wants to play um, you talked about those chaos games she's uh, brought that to her own training they're trying to filter down you know all underage women's as well they're trying to kind of have a monster way about how we train, and same kind of terminology, and it, it, it's going well. I think this is one of the first years where it's it's we're basically looking at the terminology, the menus, everything about it, and we're trying to to get the girls to understand how to play a quick game, and you know to obviously enjoy it as well. But it's the same kind of chaos we're bringing with them, and seeing how their decision making is under chaotic circumstances.
0: All right, great stuff, Fiona, and very best of luck in the next game against Connacht, Rory. Thank you as always for coming into the studio. It's Uh, All our rugby coverage As always is With thanks to Vodafone They are the main sponsors Of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us And of course If you want to listen back in full The only place to do it Is on the OTB Sports app Just subscribe to OTB Rugby You'll get all our rugby podcasts there Every single day
2: Monday Night Rugby On Off The Ball With Vodafone Main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us